Hello there, Chris Pearcey here of Wedding Industry Wisdom, and uh, we're here as always by joined by Jack Brister. Hello. Sorry, you didn't ask me to say hello, so I, I was completely thrown off there. Well, I, 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 I thought you understood the format by now, so I, I didn't feel like it was necessary. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently, apparently um, we, we do. Um, already, we have a discussion point: costs. Uh, Brett Cyril says, uh, I just had some magician offer me a gig for a ridiculous fee. I told him that it wouldn't cover my costs. His reply was, what costs are there on a local gig? My reply is uh, pretty much you take all your yearly costs and divide them um, by the number of gigs you get across the year and you get your costs. His reply was to tell me to go away and I don't need to tell him what to charge. Um, well, I think this goes back to one of our kind of founding points of the whole group is that you have clients which are suitable for you and you have clients which are not suitable for you one of the first things you've got to do is sort out who your ideal client is um go onto a website and there's a whole there's a little workbook you can download to start working with your ideal clients because that just sounds like you know the sort of gig that you shouldn't even be considering doing um and obviously they're essentially that's a t doesn't that sound like it's sort of thing like a time vampire might do jack it does yeah waste your time that's a, a really good point chris i think it's uh before we come on to to that very subtle plug you did there chris um i kind of want to just mention that that's a it just happened like that just happens sometimes and you need to accept that you're not in the same area ballpark region as this other magician so that just means that they're not the right client for you and that magician does not work for the same kind of clientele so you know in the future that if that magician comes to you and says oh can you do this gig it's uh you know it's only down the road and it's a couple hundred quid and you go that's not my going rate you know it's not even worth your time talking to him because you know his gigs aren't going to be of the level that you want them to be in order to uh you know portray the image you're trying to portray and all those kind of things that we talk about so, yeah, you definitely just need yeah. to accept that some people are going to be charging less than you, some people are going to be charging more. As long as you are getting booked and you are comfortable with your fee, then that is the, kind of the most important thing is that you are doing what you want to be doing. Yeah, and it also works in reverse so that when you have a, a higher price gig and he applies for it, you know that that's not his uh, his ideal client either. So. You know, he's, he's not going to be the right person for the job. Yeah. And uh, Robert Kemp makes a great point. He says, everyone wants a bargain, so just stick to your pricing. And sometimes that is exactly yeah, it. They... Some people do, and they're not yeah, right. Um... Yeah, I, mean, I don't think everyone wants a bargain. I think I've, I have had I have had a client um, negotiate upwards before, um, yeah. which is uh, an interesting concept. I've heard that but, happen uh, once, yeah, not... um, where that's, that's happening. It's yeah. kind of... It's, Generally, for me, it's not at weddings. It's more at corporates that it happens. And it's because they have a certain budget mm. they need to spend. And if they don't spend that budget, then they're going to have it cut from their budget for next year. So they say, well, what can you do yeah. for an extra X number of pounds? And you'll go, well, whatever you want, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that does happen. Not no, everyone wants a bargain. And you know, that's just a finding the right kind of people kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, you just have to yeah, get on with it. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's... One of the things that I've wanted to talk about in one of these lives at some point is the importance of understanding the value of not your own business, but of what other suppliers do. Um, but we've not, have we, have we spoken about this before? I don't think we I have. I don't think so. I'm, I'm intrigued. No. 
Yeah. I, I, well, I think it's really important that... Um, so I've, I've, I've had this before, and I'm not, I'm not going to mention any names, but I had a, someone say that, oh, that they got a really high-end client in, and I'm not even... A, and they'd been booked by them, and they said, oh, I'll, I'll try and see if I can get you booked by them. Um, and so I was like, oh, cool, great. I, sounds like my kind of client from what they'd said. And said, um, cool, I'll, I'll send an email across. So a friend of mine sent an email across saying, oh, I know this really, really good magician. Uh, don't worry, he won't make anything silly disappear or whatever. Or some sort of really lame, kind of crappy, just like... Like, this is the sort of thing that just is completely off-brand for me. Completely, ex what a utterly cliched and exactly what someone who, if someone hears, they go, I don't want to book a magician. Yeah. So, and I never, n never heard from that client again. Um, or never, never, no contact was ever made because that particular person didn't have the understanding of what I do at a wedding. Whereas... You know, if you understand that, you know, a um, a makeup artist is not just lipstick and eyeliner; they're making the most the the bride into the most beautiful version of themselves they can be. You know, having that understanding of the value of other supplies, I think, in a kind of roundabout well way, kind of will help you out in in the long run. But having some say, oh, I'll recommend you, and then say some really crappy joke about something or other this instantly means that yeah. you know, I was never going to get that gig um, so I, I think it's important to understand the value of other wedding suppliers definitely and I think a great thing for Brett I don't know if you're already on this but uh, you should definitely be signed up to our time hunting time vampers vampers time vampires what happened there wow uh, you should definitely be signed up to our Time Vampires, Hunting Time Vampires, um, seven-day course thing. What, what would you call it? I don't really know what to call it. Like, it's just... A... It's, it's, it's not a course. Well, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a, you sign up for it, and tomorrow is the last day you can sign up for it, um, after which it might become a course, which we might end up charging for. Yeah. So if you want to learn how to get time wasters out of your business, um, Jack will put a link up, won't you? Yes, I will. Um, I will do that. follow... And you can click on that and you sign up. It's completely free and you get an email every day for seven days. And each each day, each email will tell you something to do, something actionable in your business to stop you getting time wasters. Yeah, so if you, Brett, if you haven't signed up for that already, then, you know, do, do so. Uh, Robert Kemp says, you will always get supplies undercutting you. I say, have a look at their reviews. We have zero. Um, it speaks for itself. Yeah. I'm guessing itself. you mean zero um, bad reviews uh, in there, Robert. And zero bad that's reviews. exactly right. Is you know people are generally, and even when they're starting out, you know generally they're cheap for a reason, and that's generally because they're not of the same quality or caliber as yourself. So you just kind of you need to know that, and you need to be happy with that, and just carry on regardless, and just know they're going to be charging yeah. less, but know why you're charging more. Yeah, and it's all just a fundamental lack of understanding of the value that you bring to the day or yeah. something along the lines of that. I mean, this is all stuff that we've covered fairly conclusively in pre previous lives. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the, the Time Vampires course, if, I don't know if it's a course or whatever, but yeah, uh, get yourselves on that. Last chance to sign up. We'll mention this again towards the end, but yeah, we're, we're closing the registration for that at midnight. We're not sure when Tomorrow. we're going to open it again, if ever. 
Um, sorry, tomorrow tomorrow at midnight it closes. Not sure when we're opening it again or whether it will be free. But within that is a new thing called the uh, Anatomy of a Perfect Sales Call, which will, will be a product which will be on sale um, in the not too distant future, which you'll get for free if you sign up. Uh, you'll have to buy it later on if you know sales calls and getting them right is something you're interested in. Um, Okay, let's just have a look at the comments here. So uh, Rob says, um, I always say have a look at reviews of other suppliers. They have zero. We have 50 plus uh, speaks for itself. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Bang on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think, however, as much as I do agree with Robert, I do think that Facebook reviews and Google reviews in particular are a bit of a, uh, a fallacy to a certain extent because um, I think you just very... I don't know if it's because like, I only deal with good suppliers, but I think all of them just have 100% five-star reviews. True. Um, and e even suppliers who I know are bad have got five-star reviews. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I think that it's it's very easy to give a five-star review because I think people tend to give a one-star review or a five-star review, which is, I think, why Facebook changed it from being this kind of five-star system to can you recommend yes or no? Because that's basically what it was anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, obviously re re reviews are very, very important. Uh, social proof is um, definitely something which has to be considered. But um, yeah, prior to that, I think it's about showing a level of expertise, showing the value which you can add to uh, to, to someone's day and explaining that nice and clearly. Um, and... Just yeah, like you said, sticking to your pricing. I mean, I think that's such an important thing to do, and no matter what, not no matter where. I mean, I I had this yesterday, and this this bugged me. Um, so hopefully the person who um inquired is not going to watch this. I don't think they should because it's not for. But um, they they got in contact and they said that they were getting married midweek in the winter to save money. I was like, fair enough, not a problem at all. I can, uh, and we. We want your we want your full day package because we want uh, we want you for this bit we want this bit. Oh, I also heard you can do a performance in front of everyone, etc. 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 And yeah, I I said cool. Yeah, I have this package. Got them on the phone. Got chatting. Explained everything I could do. I said this is exactly the package that you're looking for. Normally it's this much because you're getting married on a Thursday in November. Um, it's three hundred pounds less. Um, and also if you book within a week, I'll throw in this, 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 and this, which was like twelve hundred quid worth of extras. I mean, Jack, Jack, you know that how yeah, I. Yeah. How yeah. I sell to people, yeah. So, um, having taken £300 off, having said if you book within a week, um, you'll get £1,200 worth of extras for free, they then asked me if I do it for £45 cheaper. <laughs> it's, just, it's like... And it, it, it took a lot for me to just not just hang up. Yeah, yeah. Because I just... I, I, but I think this is the, the, the time when it kind of your experience comes through as a, as a wedding supplier because it could have been really easy for me to go, oh, it's only 45 quid. But I think that it's just rude at that point. So my response was simply, uh, unfortunately, uh, that's the lowest I will go. I have taken 300 pounds off for you already. Plus I'm throwing in this, which is worth 395 pounds. I'm throwing in this, which is 395 pounds. I'm throwing this, which is 395 pounds. I'm also giving you a free copy of my book, which is 15 pounds. Um, so the, the the price is uh, is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, that's exactly and right. They were like, yeah, and and like very very easy. I mean, forty five quid is 
I could have just gone, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, there's bartering and then there's flat out taking the piss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I haven't... I haven't got time for for, for the latter. I mean, I, I've yeah. You put you give them a fantastic deal. They should be snapping my hand off. Yeah, that. and because the thing is, it's a year and a half away. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'll get another inquiry for that day. Yeah, and, um, and Robert says he doesn't give discounts for weekday weddings because his service is exactly the same. And uh, you kind of you can't really argue yeah. with that logic at all. We've also got uh, Ross uh, Wilshire, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, apologies if it's not. He says his reviews have helped him to sell his U- people to see his USP um, yeah. about how he works. And I think that's great. That's a very good point is that if you can get your clients telling everyone how good you are and what you do, then that's a fantastic place to be because you're not having to do the selling. Other people are doing that for you. So that's a great point about um, uh, about using reviews to their advantage Um We've also got Fee, uh, Chambers-Clark, saying, I have something similar. Bride been let down by another artist. Wants me to knock off £150 because that's what the other artist was charging. Um, and that, I mean, I've... So, yeah, my, my, do you know what my favourite response to that Go is? Um, I can let you down for 150 quid less as well, if you like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, they paid £150 less they and they didn't show up. So, well, you know, they've cancelled on them. Yeah, I mean... What do you expect? Yeah, um, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Roberts. Uh, Robert said, uh, "Wow, we don't give discounts for weekday weddings. Our service mm-hmm. is the same." Yeah, I um, to a certain extent I agree with that. Um, however, I think that uh, if I think Robert's a fairly new member, as far as I'm aware, Rob, you're. Are you? In I think judging by his transport Facebook picture, he's in wedding transport. Yes. So, yeah, wedding transport, that's the sort of thing I can understand it being exactly, you charge exactly the same thing because um, depending on the vehicle, you know, uh, I know that with things like uh, VW campers and stuff like that, they're only allowed to do a certain amount of uh, trips per year. The fuel's obviously going to remain the same and the driver's going to want to earn the same amount of money. So the costs are exactly the same. The same thing with cake makers as well. They're not making the cake on the wedding day or whatever. Uh, but for, for myself, it's a case of supply and demand. I mean, I, I can get you know, 10, 12 inquiries for a Saturday in the summer, uh, a Thursday in November next year. Yeah, there's a chance I might get three or four inquiries for that date, but that, that could potentially be the only one. So supply and demand suggests that I'd rather just get that filled in. Um, yeah, I think it depends on what area of the industry you're in. Sometimes it makes sense to... To offer discounts, but as you know, we yeah. said, Robert, in your industry, you know, you are a hundred percent. You have fixed costs. We don't have huge fixed costs as magicians ourselves, uh, but you have quite yeah. high fixed costs because you've got all the insurances and all of the cars you've got to run and all those kind of things and maintenance and all that stuff. So you need to be charging a certain fee that is consistent across the board because otherwise, it's not worth your time going out in the first place. So yeah, I think if we move on, there was a. a question i just need to scroll back up to it because it's gone off my uh, computer from stephen hancock i don't know if you saw that one uh, but he was asking about sharing workflows with new wedding inquiries to your website from people who haven't met you before and and uh, giving some advice and tips on that uh, i don't know what your initial thoughts are on that because i know you generate a lot of business from people who haven't met you before um i i think that in general the i mean and i i think this needs to be answered as non-industry specific as possible because i think there's a whole different range of people sure. um watching um but i think that it's 
it's got to be value first, and I, and I think this is something that we repeat time and time again. I mean, and and I think me and Jack have got. A very, I mean, I think the, the reason that me and Jack work so well together as I hate saying it, business partners. Um, but we are essentially um, is because we have a very very similar ethos, and I think that we follow people in business and agree with the same people in business like Gary V, like Nicholas Kuzmich, and people like that who are all about you know getting the value to people uh, up front first of all so in terms of workflows and um, the, the kind of the content that you're sending out to people and the the follow-up it's got to be value first um, so I, I think that in, ter in terms of the, the, how my workflows work I have as soon as someone makes an inquiry um, there's an, um, a, a welcome email will instantly go out to them that will explain about about who I am what I do uh, and it will explain the, the next steps explain about um, whitelisting me adding me to their safe senders so that future emails um, arrive uh, call will be scheduled in with them they can book that in online or, or you know I'm, I'm, I'm quite a fan at the moment to be honest of um, actually sending a text uh, straight away to people saying uh, I just got your inquiry through. Um, you've said that you're happy taking a call after uh, 5.30. Is it okay to call you after 5.30 today? Because uh, people tend to open text messages and people tend to respond to them. So I found that's quite a nice way of getting the ball rolling. I don't like proper conversations and proper business dealings across text message or WhatsApp or anything like that. But I think as an initial, hey, I've got your thing, make sure you've got my email, etc., etc. it's a good way of starting. Is that automated kind of or is that message. manual? That 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 is li literally just a manual because I I want to, I want to be able to. It's only going to ever be one or two text messages, so I want to make that very personal, based upon what they've said in their initial thing. Because um, for some people, I feel like I want to do that. For some people, if it says call any time, I'll just call them whenever. Whereas if they say I'm free after five thirty, I want to make sure that that's the same the week weekends as it is weekdays or whatever. But Slightly tangential there, yeah. um, just to, um, and then I'll get on the phone call. Uh, the phone call will be then followed up with a uh, email with my quote, and then the follow up from that is encouraging them to book across a few emails within a week because there are massive bonuses if you book within a week with me. Uh, if they don't, that's absolutely fine. And then from there, um, they are then followed up with um, various different useful blogs from me. On um, I'm experimenting with the timing. Some I've, I've had it before where it's weekly uh, at the moment I'm going down to monthly uh, especially for longer term inquiries um, just to kind of keep me fresh in their mind um, but not trying to sell after that week because you know if they were going to really if they were really really interested in booking me they would have booked within that week so after that it doesn't mean they're not interested it means that they are not a fast laner they're not a quick action taker so they are probably going to be going to be uh, nurtured on a more long-term basis um, and I've just as as I've mentioned going on a bit now uh, I've have set up an RSS feed so that will any new content will be going out to them on a monthly basis um, so if I write a new blog you know oh that will be going out to them so yeah that that's that's what the that's a uh, Stephen says that's really helpful, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that it is. I'm, yeah, I think I'm the, sort of have a codeine the, rant. So there we go. It might have been uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the the key thing to remember is that it is coming from value first, and you want to if you haven't met them before, which I think is what Stephen's talking about here, is that they're coming as a cold inquiry essentially. 
then you need to work yeah. out what your first step is, whether your first step is to get them on the phone or to meet them in person. Uh, and the reason I say that is that Robert's put a comment saying he always likes to meet his bride and grooms so that he they can feel comfortable around him and all that kind of stuff, which I think is a great point. Uh, it depends on your industry and, and your specific niche within our industry as to whether that's relevant. For some people, it, they don't have to have that connection and it can just be a phone call. But for others, it's very important to get there in person. I feel like photographers, it would be really good to get there in person. Uh, and as he said, you know, a, a transport person would be quite good to get that in person. But um, you also, you just need to be aware of what your goal is, whether your goal is to get them on the phone, meet them in person, or whether you want to deal entirely via email, which is possible. I wouldn't recommend it, especially if you're sort of starting to target the higher end of the market, because people want that level of service. <clears throat> Uh, that, that you just don't get via email they want something slightly more personal all that kind of stuff so you've got to be very clear in your mind where you want to get the bride and groom to and then be uh, trying to get them there yeah I, I think that um, a, a lot of people have said to us in lives in the past how they're not comfortable on the phone um, it it's a skill flat out talk to people on the phone is a skill so if you're not comfortable with it it's only going to improve by doing it okay i mean even if you have the world's shortest sales script and you just want to give them a two minute call and say hey just wanted to introduce myself quickly just so you can put a voice to the face or whatever that that sort of thing just kind of ease yourself in slowly to it is a great idea because i think that when myself and Jack have done the, the Yes Do I Do podcast, every single supplier we interviewed on there would speak about the importance of the connection between the couple and the and the supplier. And how, no, no matter what industry, whether it's a photographer, makeup artist, hair, whoever, all saying how important it is to them. And if it's important to the supplier, that means like it has to be important to the, the couple as well. You know, the, the amount of couples who then end up being friends with um, th their suppliers afterwards is, is huge. Um, so building that connection initially, getting that rapport is really, really important. And doing it on the phone is absolutely, it's, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't. Um, I know it's a scary prospect, but it is something that can be learned. And it also uh, avoids the chance of miscommunication as well. I mean, the, the written the written word, you know, can be misconstrued. If if someone reads an email whilst in a bad mood, they can possibly take something in the like a jokey kind of comment in a really really negative way when it was actually kind of <laughs> that was not how it was written at all. I mean, I'm, if you've ever had an argument by text before, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> so. Yeah, great great to avoid that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I think that kind of wraps that question up and Stephen's very happy with the answer, so that's good. Um, what else did we have coming in prior to us going live, Chris? I know you kind of had a, a list of things that people... Had... Um, there, there, was a, there was a couple of things that were... Um, so one was about um, the, the idea that if you charge less, you'll get more bookings. Um, can we just say no to that's not true right now or do we have to go into detail um, I, I think that the, the, the question comes down to I, mean, so I think if you're looking at charging £20 less, £30 less, £40 less £50 less, something like that 
you know, if someone's going to pay £300, they're going to pay £350. So all you're going to be doing is taking money out of your pocket. If The only way it's really, really going to make a difference is if you're reducing it by such an amount that um, you're then dealing with a different set of clients, which is not what you want to be doing anyway. Um, so it's much better to add value in for that price if you feel like that's the reason people aren't booking you. Um, rather than just taking money out of your pocket. Because you, before you even consider dropping your prices, then I think you need to be unequivocally sh certain that the price is the problem. Because you could be guessing. You're probably guessing. Unless you actually had people saying, time after time after time, you're too expensive, then you, you could be completely wrong. And then you're reducing your price for the wrong reason. It might be that, yeah, that you're you may be worth the money but your website looks rubbish or I don't know what we don't, we don't think your service is good enough for that price yeah they're happy to pay it but the service doesn't look good enough or, or it, could, it could be anything so you want proof before you make any dramatic changes like there's that. also another way of looking at it that isn't that you're charging too much is that you are targeting the wrong clients yeah. For example, so if you're at a price where your your product is good your service is wor like working on the assumption that your product is worth the price you're charging, your service is worth the price you're charging, all that kind of stuff, that we're kind of working on that assumption that the price is justified for what you're doing, then there, there are two possibilities. Most Well, there, there are more possibilities, but there are two key possibilities. One is you're charging too much, and two is you're targeting the wrong clients. Um, I mean, there are nuances within that about you're not very good at selling, your website's not very good, all these kind of things, but they kind of tie into... Your, you know those two options <clears throat> so you yep. kind of need to work out and the best way to work this out is to ask the people that aren't booking you why they're not booking you and you just say just just uh, just when they email you or you're on the phone and they say oh that you know it's not not right for us we don't want that we want you know we're going to go with someone else you can just email back and say you know great you know perfectly understand that you know it doesn't work for everybody just out of interest because i'm a bit nosy why have you decided not to go with me or why did you go with this or what, you know, essentially why are you not booking me? And some people will never respond to that. But if you phrase it correctly and you phrase it in a nice kind of friendly, jokey way, people will come back to you and will tell you. And then from there, you know, with more certainty what your problem is. Yeah, I, I think that you shouldn't be too, uh, you shouldn't be afraid to ask why someone hasn't booked you. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, they don't answer, um, and then if they give any answer, then you know it's it's information. Yeah. You I mean you, you've got to? It's all got to be taken with a pinch of salt because it's you know for every person, if, you know, if they say oh it's price, we just think you're too expensive. That doesn't mean you're too expensive. It means you're too expensive for them. Um, so it all just has to be taken on board as information. But it doesn't mean that just because someone said something, you have to implement it. Uh, Stephen says a reprice in the 2019 hitch survey said the average amount spent on a wedding is the, I'm not saying all of those numbers 32,000 grand um, I would like to um, say publicly that I call that number bullshit uh, um, or um, it's correct and there are a few very very high end weddings that are pushing that um, number up dramatically because I don't think the yeah. majority of weddings are in the region of £32,000. The weddings that Chris works are in the region so. of £32,000. 
the weddings that I work at are more than £32,000, but I feel pretty confident that the majority of weddings, the majority of people have, are not £32,000. Yeah. I, I'd i be interested as, as a man. Yeah, you want to know who person. they surveyed and what the survey number was and all that I, stuff. I, 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 I want to see... No, I... I that that is probably the mean average. Yes, it will be. Um, uh, whereas I would probably be more interested the in the median. Yeah, I would want to know the median average as well. Um, because, well, for instance, the the, the, wed- the wedding that I'm working at on Saturday, um, they've got a ten grand budget for fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine, like the I mean, that's probably a ninety to a hundred grand wedding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something like that, you know, and that just just a few of those skews things massively. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, so it it be very interesting to see, yeah, who 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 they surveyed, um, and also whether people were completely honest. Well, there is always that, isn't there? Because people do like to, uh, they don't like to admit that they spent less than they did. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think that people also want to say, oh, the dress was like, like two thousand two hundred. Call that three. Yeah, um, I did. I did see the infographic. So Stephen's just said it was from an infographic he'll send to us. I did see it, and I thought that was bullshit at the time. So, uh, but yeah, it it has um, all the different um, areas yeah, of the I, UK, I, and it's got different pricing, but it's on average around thirty two thousand pounds. Yeah, I've seen I've seen their previous years ones. I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I saw the two thousand and eighteen one. I hadn't seen the two thousand nineteen. It, it 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 could be right. I I don't know. Um, but I think regardless of what the average is, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, I think that you you still, you know, you're not going to base your pricing around what the average is. You're not going to say, okay, well I want to be ten percent of their budget or five percent of their budget. You're just going to go, this is my price. Yeah, it's um, it's a, if you are going that way round, it's, it's a bit it's, of an odd way round to do it because the you're never going to get a true average spend for a start because it's always going to change and adjust and things are going to happen. Mm. That means it's not a fair representation, um, and also just it's just a, like how can you be the judge that ten percent is the right amount in that example? Ten percent is the right amount for yeah. them to spend on you uh, at their wedding. You're better off finding out a price that you're happy with that you want to be charging that you're comfortable with and your product and service is worth and all those kind of things we've spoken about many times before and charging that mm-hmm. and then finding the clients that will fit that budget yeah absolutely right um something that we go into in uh, a little bit of info a, a certain amount of information on our free course how to run a successful wedding business uh, you can sign up to that at winningindustrywisdom.co.uk and obviously there's the, the paid version of the course as well, but we do go into details of ideal client and um, you know, how to package yourself up. Steve, um, yeah. It's more uh, part of the sales, which I cost less than 3% of. I, I, I'll be completely honest with you, Stephen. I, I don't think people care about I'm, that. Yeah, I think that's I, a really I, I, th- I think it's an, I think it's a really, it's a really odd way of trying to convince people because if if you're trying to convince people on the numbers game, you're you're selling in the wrong way entirely. People people make their sales their purchasing decisions. Sorry, I should say uh, on on uh, emotionally. Um, so if you're trying to say, oh, it's less than three percent of the average wedding budget, then um, you know it's not 
that, that doesn't mean anything to them. Um, it's it's something that they don't want to know that. They want to know how you're going to impact their day. That that is what they're really really interested yeah. in. And um, they want to know how what's going to change. Yeah. Uh, as a result of you being there, not it's less than three percent of the average wedding budget. And it's also it's going to alienate yeah. a lot of people because it's people who haven't got a thirty thousand pound budget are going to who've got less than a yeah. thirty thousand pound budget are going to go oh. We haven't got a massive wedding. We haven't got a massive budget for our wedding. I feel a bit. Oh no, I don't. I don't feel like I, I definitely can't afford a magician if we are have less than an average size budget in this particular example because Stephen's a magician. Um, and then equally, people who've got a hundred thousand pound budget, for example, are going to go. Well, I, if he's talking about the average wedding, I don't care about the average wedding. I want the most amazing wedding ever. So. I think yep. you're going to alienate a yeah, lot more people both. than you're going to be uh, hitting. Unless, of course, you're... Um, Speaking to someone who's spending exactly £31,974. Exactly. If your ideal way. client is someone who spends £31,974 uh, at their wedding day, then you are bang on, Stephen, and you are nailing it. Uh, he, ha- he has an hour track. Oh, yes, so he has. I've seen um, that, yeah. I... I, 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 I I apologise for the abuse. No, but I think there's there is a, a really important point to, to to take away from that is that yes, you are absolutely correct in, in in the numbers or whatever. However, it's not that is not going to be the difference between you being booked or not. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I would be amazed if anyone if you if anyone would ever say that line, and then the person on the other end of the phone goes, "Oh, less than three <laughs> percent." Well, send me the booking form. Um, it's, uh, it's it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, it, it makes the suggestion that people are booking on price and people don't book on price if you're selling correctly. Yeah, and one of my favourite lines that I've ever heard you use is uh, people buy on emotion and justify on logic. So you want to be selling to them with on the emotional side, um, and even when it comes to talking about logic. This is not logic. This is alienating, in my opinion. This is this is nerd alert. Yeah, um, I mean, it may really, it may really attract some people, but it's going to you know, offend or alienate a lot more people than it's going to attract. I think, I think alienate is the yeah. word there. So, no, I mean, just just tell them what it is. Tell, tell them the actual price. Don't say. Oh, it's this much, which is less than three percent of the average. If wedding. you're having, if you, if that's part of the sales pitch, and you're already having to justify to them before the number is even tumbled out of your mouth, then you need to work on your. You need to be come up with a price that you're comfortable with. I think. And practice saying. And practice that. saying it a lot. Yeah, as we say, talk to yourself in the. As a magician, you know you practice in the mirror. Sometimes you should do the same with your sales pitch. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. Yeah, the, there was something else that we wanted to be covered. So I think yep. we've um, hammered Stephen to half to death on that one. So uh, <laughs> move on and give him a chance to breathe. Um, there was somebody wanted to talk about, well, I think it's Ross actually. I don't believe he's watching anymore. I was going to say he's no longer with us, but that's not. <laughs> that it's not quite as finite uh, as that. There's not, yeah, he's no longer watching live. He was uh, wanted to um, wanted to hear a bit about uh, brand consistency and that is something which uh, I think is really really important that's something that we do cover in the free version and the paid version of the how to run a successful wedding business course and it's something that I'm actually um, 
working on myself at the moment uh, because uh, having just you as well so um, having just redesigned my website which I'm very very happy with and is doing incredibly well for me so I'm uh, pleased that I did it I'm now also about to go into um, uh, Stephen says he's in the corner licking his wounds uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm about to go into wedding fair season and I need a new brochure so I'm currently trying to decide exactly how much my brochure should mirror my website now I'm I'm kind of going into it thinking it should almost look like it's been pulled from the very screen and looks exactly the same as my website so that when someone looks at the brochure and then goes from the brochure to the uh, to the website Ross is here Ross is alive and, alive and <laughs> watching oh. oh thank goodness because <laughs> that I mean if you if you hadn't been alive then I would have felt pretty bad for a long long time <laughs> not not that it would have been my fault directly, but you know, anyway, uh, we digress. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I currently feel like it. Yeah, it should feel like the the brochure itself should feel like it's been pulled from the website itself. Mm. So that if someone is reading the brochure and they go, "I lo loving the look of the, what this guy's this guy's stuff, loving the reaction shots, loving all of this, love the look of these packages." I'm going to go onto the website. Um, it should feel as if it, they're t metaphorically turning a page of the brochure and landing on the website, and it's the same fluid experience from one to the next so I'm trying or I'm trying to make it look exactly the same but then I'm also acutely aware that a brochure and a website aren't the same thing so I'm trying at the moment I'm trying to decide exactly because I, I sent you a like a quick yep. draft of the the front cover and Jack said it wasn't terrible which is a which is about as that's actually a compliment, it is a compliment from, from me yeah but I'm, I'm guessing that means it was actually fine. I know it was, um, yeah, and it's that is a great, great thing to talk about because you are actively doing it at the moment. Yeah, okay. Jack, talk talk for five minutes because I have to go for a. I, I will be back, everyone. Okay. Talk about brand consistency. Okay. First of all, I'm going to tell him what you're off to do. Um, his partner very conveniently ordered a Tesco delivery between seven and eight tonight, and then decided to go out. So, Chris has had to. Um, deal with it and get it in so that's why chris is gone for a minute but i will talk about it so chris as he said is currently rebranding and, and it's kind of tweaking his brand ever so slightly and so i've got a couple of questions i will ask him when he comes back but uh you kind of you really need to be looking at where your brand sits and you need to keep consistent with that so obviously you need to keep consistent brand colors going the whole way through the site through your website and through your branding through your uh, brochures through your uh, roll up banners through your business cards all of the the colors need to be consistent and stay the same and obviously your logo needs to stay the same i feel like that those are kind of fairly obvious points but then you kind of need to look at it going deeper than that because if you go onto chris's website he has lots of kind of angled moments going on throughout the page he's got some angles that are you know, going all the way down and he's trying to recreate that within the brochure as well he wants to get it recreated in the brochure because that's kind of become part of his brand. So I imagine it's then going to move through to his new uh, banners, which I feel like he's going to need to get designed, and also his new business cards. Uh, so everything is going to kind of have that new angled look, and it's something you need to kind of look at as some uh, as kind of a big whole thing. So it's not just the colours and the logo, it's how the, the kind of the, the website holds together or how the whole brand holds together. Because Chris is... A little bit different and a little bit unique these kind of angled things work quite nicely for him and really kind of show off what he's doing whereas for me 
being in uh, the market that I'm in, doing what I'm doing, it's very classical and it's very traditional. So for me, having all of these like sharp angles going off in different directions doesn't work for me. So I know that and I know it would alienate my audience. So I stick with uh, more straight, uh, right angled lines because it just works better for me and my brand uh, with kind of some swirly bits here and there just to make people feel happy. So I, I'm interested, Ross, because I didn't see the comment when it came in. So I'm imagining it was on the welcome post, but I'm interested to know what it is that you do. So if you could let me know what it is that you do, then maybe I'll be able to offer uh, a little bit more advice, a little bit more specifically for you. Um, but it is, it's, it's all about finding the, the thing that's important and uh, what's going to appeal to your target audience. Ah, oh, he's back. Did, did everyone leave? Everyone left. There's no one here now. Did, did, did you did you say anything interesting? No. I was you know I was no. I was talking about your angles and like how the the you're trying to get that consistency from the angles on your lines to go through the website because you've got to go all the way through there onto your uh, brochure and I imagine it's then going to make its way through to uh, pop up banners and then onto business cards when you get when they get all redesigned as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It it's something that I think I'm completely sold on. However, um, I sent the website to Laura Dean, the one who the photographer who ripped you, ripped you to pieces on the other podcast yep. before. Um, and she said, "Oh, I hate it." And I was just like, "Oh, why is that?" So like, I'm, I'm a photographer. I like I like straight lines. Yes. And I can. And I can completely appreciate that. So I, I did actually take on board what she said and kind of reduce the, the angle on them. Uh, but I, I, I just really like the look of it because I think it makes it flow. I think it draws the eye down and encourages you to carry on reading down through the page. That may be, I mean, it's entirely an anecdotal me saying that, but that, that's just how I feel looking at myself. Um, um, so Ross says, I'm a photographer with a boom and a... A book, I'm assuming that is, yeah. and a podcast, and just want all my posts and marketing to be consistent across all three without being confused. Uh, okay, I understand. Um, right. Cool. I just asked Ross what so, the problem was. So. Yeah, so I, I'd say from my point of view that as long as they're all targeting the same market, because I'm, I'm actually you, that's. My brain's just recalling it. Oh, yeah, Ross mentioned that he this on the welcome post we put earlier. Yeah. So the book is about how to have a wedding as unique as you are, and the podcast is of about the same title, the same thing. I vaguely remember seeing of the same this, title. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I think that the yeah, I, I do think that that the branding should be consistent across the board. I mean, potentially less so with the book. So my because... big thing about the book is that once that's printed, that's printed. So it's it's more difficult Dep to get, depending on how he's printed depending it. Depending on how he's printed it, of course. But it's more difficult to get uh, get that to change with the brand when the brand re uh, when you redo your brand and you start changing it a bit, unless you've got it printed through uh, something else, some other system that means it's not. So with with my book. With my book on KDP, um, I can just change the front cover, and next time they print some, it'll oh, okay. cover. Okay. In which case, I take that entire thing back. Um, but if it's if if Ross has gone out and had a thousand books printed by someone, then yeah, your your point completely stands. So it depends on how it's 
how it's out there. I mean, my uh, my book has no links at all in terms of brand consistency with any of my wedding stuff at all. It's entirely different because it's it is slightly. It's less about well, my my book's about how to stay stress free through the wedding planning process. It's not about a fun quirky magician or whatever. So it's got a different feel to it, although it's kind of. But it's still it's still consistent aimed, aimed, aimed at the same people. It's still consistent with it's, your brand it's still, because it's got the same colours in it on the on the home page. So it kind of fits in with the brand, um, mm. but it's not going. Hey, Chris Piercy, the magician, wrote this book. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, yeah Ross, I'm, I'm looking to rebrand and bring the book colours in, in more. Right, okay. um, yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's that important. What I think is that the book cover should be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it should be eye-catching. It should uh, I instantly say, I understand what this is all about. Um, I, in terms of the brand consistency amongst the other things, I don't think the book's it's that important with the book, whereas the podcast and the photography business, I do think do need to be... Uh, links um, inherently whereas the book can it, it can stand out completely differently because if anything it could be on the website as something which does stand out people go oh wow that's caught my eye because it is different um, but I, I, I don't but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be so different that it's like Ugh! but am I making sense? Kind of yeah I, I get the point you're trying to make and it yeah so you're probably the only one. Yeah, probably. I would have thought so, um, and that's because I've spoken to you too much, so I know exactly where your brain is trying to go. But essentially, Ross, you—it <clears throat> needs to be consistent, but it doesn't have to be matchy matchy. Because if it's matchy matchy, it's kind of looks a little bit, eh? Just like it, it kind of makes me feel a bit funny. <laughs> It's really hard. I know. Yeah. And now I'm trying to explain. You're it. explaining this about as well as I did. <laughs> <laughs> Ross says thanks. That really helps. It I'm amazed that helps, Ross. Ross. I think I'm I, absolutely stunned. That was. I, I think Ross just wants to leave. <laughs> it's like, like you. It's like Chris, Jack. We've we've just met, and you're confusing us even confusing me even but more. But you're right. It does um, it does open up I, your rebranding options a little bit more because it does mean you have a little bit more consistency. You can be consistent without being exactly the same. So, you know, if we have kind of the colours going through and if, if you were like Chris and you had those angles and you were kind of playing off that, then maybe put those consistently through. But beyond that, I don't feel like they have to be exactly the same. You can kind of play around with it a little bit more. Uh, and you can check out Chris's book and, and then check out his website and you'll see that they are consistent in that they are the same colours and it looks classy and elegant like Chris's website does, but that is it. There's no other relevance to it at all. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's two points to make, that you can be consistent and not be the same, and you can be consistent and be different, which I realise is yes. a, a bit of a... Yeah, because I, I, just, just to kind of take a kind of step back and look at the wider world of marketing... Um, when you look at a uh, a company like, um, what would be a good example? Um, look at something like uh, Nike, someone like that, or 
that they will have that they know who their ideal client is exactly um and but not all of their shoes are exactly the same but people will buy multiple different pairs of shoes from them which are of different styles but they still appeal to the same ideal client so just because a certain type of branding appeals to your ideal client doesn't mean that's the only style that uh, that's going to appeal to them so something which is in a completely different set of colors or in a completely different style it still can appeal to the same ideal client and it still fits in with the brand as a whole did that that make made sense that was good you got there eventually and we finally managed to explain it efficiently i think um so ross says he'll check out your website chris so um make sure it's working i'll get a visitor yes celebrate have a glass of champagne. Uh, I totally get that. Add that, and beyond the visual, the message is the same in the book, podcast, and the website. So the mes- message is consistent, and the visuals kind of are consistent the whole way through. Then people will know it's from the same place, even if they don't. Um, they don't outright say, "Ross Wilshire, uh, photographer extraordinaire, wrote this." Yeah. So yeah, I think you I think you're going down the right road with that Ross for sure. And and also I think fair fair play to, to Ross for having a, a successful business and a book and a podcast because only legends can have that holy Does trifecta. It, who, who else has that holy trifecta, Chris? Um, well, well, I've got two podcasts, so I don't know who. <laughs> You've got who two podcasts, got, a so. book, and a successful wedding business, and a wedding business, a wedding. <laughs> I, I I have been to a no. I, no so I, I mean, I, no, if I, you I, if you wanted to get really technical, Chris, you've got two podcasts, uh, an a uh, Amazon best selling book, a podcast, and uh, no, sorry, uh, an audio book, and a successful wedding business, and uh, an iTunes top ten worldwide podcast. We did, have, we, yeah. Get. There is that as well, yeah. There is that, but we're we're not, we're not bragging. We're not bragging no, no. because it's a really <laughs> rubbish brag when we look at, especially the Amazon best-selling one. That's just embarrassing. That is embarrassing. You hate it when people bring it up. <laughs> um, shall we move on? Well, it, it's the sort of thing. You, um, yes. I feel like we we should, we've probably done that one to death. Do you want to talk about uh, what Ricky mentioned? Because he actually asked us to talk about this before we went live today uh, about scaling your business beyond just you. Um, yes, I do want to talk about this, uh, but I think that it has to come with a disclaimer that it is, um, well, you were the one that said you wanted to put a disclaimer. So what was the disclaimer you wanted to Essentially, add? Essentially, we... we don't do this. We've not done this. We have zero experience of actually doing this. We occasionally give out the, the gigs that we can't do to people who we trust, but that's yeah. kind of the extent of our knowledge of this. Um, but we will... We, we kind of understand the theory behind it. So we're going to talk about it in kind of broad strokes more than anything else. Yeah, so um, just to... Ricky, what Ricky wanted to know, Ricky is a magician, if I'm not yep. mistaken. I'm not, I'm not on the... Kind of, sort of on first name terms, but not really. But Ricky was talking about um, earning money outside of just doing what you do, going to the wedding and earning the money because, you know, if you're ill and you can't perform or whatever... Uh, then you don't get the money. Um, and essentially, the, most people within the wedding industry and the 
large majority of self-employed people find themselves in a situation where their life consists of swapping their time for them for money. Yeah. So um, I'm in that situation pretty much. Jack's in that situation pretty much. Uh, obviously, with the, the, the growth of wedding industry wisdom, that is starting. we're starting to move away from that to a certain extent because uh, you know we're not directly swapping to our time for money when people are buying our courses or our whatever but you know we are still within that to a certain extent so what we're on about is um getting passive income or growing your business to the point where you can you know, earn money without having to leave the house now the problem that a lot of people are going to have and i think this is going to apply to over 50 percent of the people who are in the wedding industry is that because you sell yourself as you and you create that connection with people it then becomes very very difficult for anyone else to want to book anyone apart from you so i get a lot of inquiries i get way more inquiries than i can deal with and then i try to pass them on to people uh, and then the the clients end up going well we wanted you yeah because we were sold on you from your website so we you know we, we don't we don't want to book anyone else now and that's not me being egotistical i think that's just the nature of what happens if you really get sold on the idea of something then when you can't have that you don't end up buying at all um so that there is that issue with it so um i've said a lot about saying anything so far yeah um, so i think that yes yeah, that is the the main issue with what we do is that as wedding suppliers we go we say well our unique sell is certainly as magicians especially as magicians um we go well you're booking us you know the the unique selling point is made like I may do the occasional trick differently to you or I may do a different trick to you, but ultimately we're doing magic tricks at a wedding day. It's how we deliver yep. that that makes us different from everyone else. So it becomes very hard to get to the point where you're able to create a passive income doing that because we are the selling point. So they are booking you to be at their wedding day. Um, so if you did want to go down this route, the first thing you'd need to do is build out a generic business as a magician. This is So I'm going to try and make this as broad and general as possible so it doesn't apply just to magicians. But at some point I may refer to that specifically because Ricky asked the question. Um, so you start by building out a generic business that does not talk about you in any, so it's not booking Ricky or it's not booking Ross or it's not booking Jack or it's not booking Chris it is booking uh, I suppose if you take my brand it would be booking a luxury magician in inverted commas yeah um, because my brand is the luxury magician so that's what you'd be booking is a luxury magician to turn up at your wedding day so that's what you need to do in the first instance and then you need to build out a team of other magicians or other photographers or other suppliers whoever it is whatever it is that you do who are of the same... <sighs> so this is where it gets a bit tricky. I would say of the same level as you, but yeah. struggle with the business side of things. So there is... <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some people I know who are extraordinarily talented magicians who don't get work themselves, so they have to rely on agents or they have to rely on other magicians handing out work to them despite being incredibly talented magicians so you know you you need to build out you need to find other magicians or other photographers who share the same 
ethos as you within your business as a photographer, magician, florist, whatever it is, and work to the same standards as you, but can't do the business side as well as you can. So that... I think, though, oh. like, I, did, I, I think that the problem that you then have is that the reason that people will pay so much money as they pay for you, or, you know, slightly less, but still pay a hefty sum of money for me for performing, is because they get sold on me. Yeah. So I think that you're going to... People are going to struggle to develop a generic brand um, of magician or photographer or whatever it might be um, that's going to be anything else apart from bang in the bang in the center of average pricing because you're not going to be able to sell yourself at that higher rate but if you're earning commission on sending those people out to work then um, it, it doesn't matter to, but yeah it's it's a really it's a really really difficult thing to do I and mean, I, I think that the there are certain parts of the industry which lend itself very well to things like catering uh that's obviously um you know to a certain extent styling um but again it, the people have still got to have if you've got stylists which you're sending out to do a venue they've got to love and care for that wedding as much as you do so you know there, there aren't many really really scalable areas of the of the of the wedding industry because it is such a personal business yeah um, so, I mean, but one point I would like to make, keeping this as generic as possible, is that I imagine in every industry or every sector of our industry, there is at least one company who does this and has built out a scalable business in that model. Um, but don't get drawn in by the fact that they may be doing, in inverted commas, really, really well. And maybe turning over whatever it is, you know, you go on company's house and you might see that they're turning over X number millions of pounds a year or whatever it might be. But that is an irrelevant number, really, because the majority of that mon money has got to go on the staff that they're hiring and the people that they're actually sending out to do the job. So when you get down to it, the amount that they're actually making will probably be the same or less than you're currently earning at the moment. That's yeah, my that, opinion of it, because I mean, I've seen it happen. So sometimes, while it sounds like a nice idea to have this big business, it's a lot more headache and a lot more stress for not any more money most of the time in our industry, because there is only so many... I mean, there's, there's thousands of weddings every weekend, I appreciate that, but there's only so many you're ever going to be able to penetrate and become part of. Yeah. And also, I, I think that like the the stepping back and looking at the broader question that Ricky was saying was that he was saying that you know, what if I get ill or whatever and things like that. I think that you need to be putting yourself in a position where you are charging enough money and putting away enough money that should anything happen, that you don't have to be do, doing that and booking time off, you know. I mean, it's a your business model should include a healthy life work balance, yeah. Um, as well. So I mean, I mean that's that's probably the, the the bigger question which needs to be looked at. Yeah. So um, in my opinion, and Chris may disagree with this, uh, but in my opinion, you should have in the bank eighteen months worth of salary. 
if you can if you can get to that point i appreciate that's not that's very easy to say but it's not very easy to do because that is usually quite a large number uh for for quite a lot of mm. people 18 months can be you know 40 50 75k something like that it could be a huge lump yeah. of money that you need to have in your bank account or your business bank account and this is kind of then moving into finances in general and i don't want to touch on this too much but you should have a even if you're self-employed you should have a separate business account and a personal account they should not be mixing together and you should if you can do this um you should have a bank account a business bank account that can be another personal account it doesn't have to be a business account because you will have to pay for a business account so it could just be personal but you dedicate it to your business that pays your personal account every single month so you essentially get paid a salary and that money that goes into your personal account is then used for personal spending and then the stuff that stays in the business account will stay in the business account so you will be getting paid even when you're not working because you will have a reserve in your business account that can continue to pay you if you go ill or if you have a month where it's quieter than normal all of those kind of things but that's i just wanted to kind of touch on that uh, on that point very briefly yeah, and that's been that's just good solid business advice across any industry whatsoever, really. So yeah. Um what what are we announcing today? Or We're not announcing it. We're just gonna talk about we wanna talk about very briefly that today and tomorrow, although when the podcast goes out, it will be the last day to sign up for uh, how to kill wedding time vampires. For those of you who don't know what wedding time vampires are, we recommend you check out the page. It's in the link above. I will also uh, pop it in the comments again, if I can find the comments. Hang on. Um, and this will, on Wednesday, the first email will go out. And you will be getting seven ways over seven days to uh, essentially reduce the amount of time wasters you get in your business. Because we all get them. We get people who suck our time away and are not worth talking to. These are you know, people that just get in the way of doing the important things. So it's a completely free thing to sign up for. And you, Chris, why have you just waved at me? It, said it gave me the option okay. to. So I thought Fair I enough. Um, so it's your seven days to reduce time vampires by 50%. That's over seven days, you will get one email each day with one actionable step in order to save yourself some time. And we have, I say we, Chris has very cleverly designed this around time vampires and vampires in general. So on Wednesday morning, you will receive an email about how to use garlic to stop your time vampires. Then you'll get an email the next day about sunlight and then the wooden stake, decapitation, Holy, and then it gets a little bit weird. Holy water, fire, and the sacred bullet. Uh, I think Chris ran out of ways to kill vampires at some point in that. Um, so. That that is just what that that was the top seven ways that I found on Wikipedia. So, oh yes, that um, fountain of knowledge. So that it, it is a it is a fountain. Vampires aren't real. Are they so, not? You know blowing my mind time vampires are though they are they are very real and you need to get rid of them from your business to save yourself some time so if you want to find out more about that and you want to sign up by tuesday the 20th i think it's tomorrow isn't it uh, tuesday the 20th at midnight the signups will close and then at nine o'clock 
on Wednesday the 21st, you will receive your first email about how to kill time vampires and save yourself a load of time. If you're interested in that, click on the link below in the comments. If you are listening to this on the podcast on Tuesday, head over to uh, weddinginstrewwisdom.co.uk forward slash how to kill time vampires. And you that is with a hyphen between each of those words because we like to make it a little bit difficult for you. And you will be able to sign up there. There's a couple of sign-up forms down there. But if there's anything else you want to add, Chris? Uh, no, I think that's... Um, and for all your other wedding business growth needs, head over to weddingindustrywisdom.co.uk, check out our online course, our website audits, our paid courses, uh, and we'll be live next week, probably Tuesday, not Monday, because it's my daughter's birthday on oh. Monday, so I'm going to... It's enough to make you so sick. So I'm... Uh, um, for you, yes, <laughs> stone cold heart. I know. Uh, but thanks for those who've joined us today, and we will see you for another video soon. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>